0: The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org.
1: Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome to the show today. we got a great one. I know I say that every week, but every week is great. Uh, this one is especially great, though. I had a a great time recording this interview, but real quick before we get into that, I hope everybody made it through the weekend okay and made it through those storms. Um, as I'm recording this, the storms have not yet hit, but I've just been watching the forecast, so I know they're coming. And uh, so yeah, I hope everybody made it through okay. They are really screwing with my plans this weekend. I can't decide what I'm gonna do. Um, you know, we've found a few sheds last weekend, even though I feel like it's a little earlier than normal. But, uh, man, I'm dying to get out there and look for some shed antlers. I also have my new boat that I talked about last week that I still have not gotten to take out. Um, I actually tried to take it out Monday after work. I got off a little early, hooked it up, got all the way to the lake. And when I pulled in, there was a park ranger there. And immediately I realized that I had left all of my registration papers and my fishing license at home. You know, I, I got off work tried to hurry and get out there and just forgot everything and so I ended up sitting in the parking lot for about 30 minutes uh, just kind of playing with stuff and basically pretending like I was going out and make sure I had everything else Um, and then basically pulled it home and parked it again and so still haven't gotten out on the boat Um, but man I I want to this weekend it's supposed to storm Friday and then Saturday they're saying there's a little break but there's still like a 20% chance and I just don't know if I want to risk a storm the very first time I take my boat out. And so, so maybe I'll, uh, park the boat this weekend, wait till the following weekend and just do a little shed hunting. So anyway, like I said a minute ago, today we're going to be talking about bass fishing and we are joined by Bill Wright and Bill has been fishing for a long time. He runs a guide service now in his retirement and he came up with something called the Okey Rig. He's the inventor. He actually invented it uh, and took Jimmy Houston out fishing. And uh, Jimmy's actually the one that kind of helped him name it. And uh, it's it's an awesome thing. It's it's basically helps you tie a proper Carolina rig. And, uh, and yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much cause I don't want to ruin it for you guys. Um, man, Bill does a great job explaining it all. And that's not the only thing we talk about. You know, we talk about kind of some beginner fish stuff. Um, you know, if you're going to go out there and get into bass fishing, you know, he talks about some rod and reel stuff and then he does a great job of just explaining bass and how they live, where they live, how they function, how they function in the lake, how, you know, temperature and all that good stuff, um, pushes them around the water. And so he is just a wealth of knowledge and I had an awesome conversation with him. I really loved it. And I think you guys are too. So, so yeah, I don't want to beat around the bush. We're going to get straight into this, uh, man, have a pen ready because, uh, this is an awesome conversation and he goes into a lot of really good detail. So be prepared for that. Um, so yeah, without further ado, here's my conversation with Bill Wright. Hey everybody! Welcome to the show. Today I'm talking to Bill Wright. How are you doing today, Bill?
2: I'm doing good, John. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm excited. I'm real excited. You know, I I drive by a lot of lakes every day. Uh, you know, around work, and uh, I want to be out on them. And so this is just making that even worse.
2: <laughs> understand that. understand it. Okay.
1: Well, Bill, real quick before we jump into it, why don't you uh, just introduce your little yourself a little bit and tell us what you do.
2: Sure. Uh, my name's Bill Wright, uh, and at the present time, I'm the lake uh, record holder at Eufaula for the largest bass caught there, uh, 11 pounds and 14 ounces. Caught it in 2012, and it's still the lake record. Mm-hmm uh i retired from the post office in 1999 and i've been fishing ever since i've been fishing all my life probably 60 plus years and and uh, just just fish almost 200 days a year used to fish 300 days a year so i've cut back a little bit (laughs) awesome
1: (laughs) awesome and has it always been fishing for fun or did you ever do tournaments or anything like that oh
2: i i used to do tournaments quite a bit and and uh, I probably last term I fished was 10 years ago. And uh, I found out with tournament fishing, there's only two things wrong with it. Uh, they start them too late and they quit them too early. <laughs> That's gotcha. the only thing I see wrong with that tournament. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like
1: to be out there from daylight to dark. Yeah, yeah. You're probably one of the few people that would say that fishing tournaments, you don't get to fish enough. But,
2: That's uh, it. I really, you really don't. Yeah. But, <laughs> You know, like I said, I know what a lot of people do, and have coffee with We're, with a bunch of guys at fish tournaments. We sat at that table, and one time we figured up, and there was over three hundred years of bass fishing
1: tournament set at that table. Mm, man, <laughs> man alive! Oh, that's awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, now that we know a little bit about you and got your resume, uh, let's talk fishing a little bit. So, sure. Um, you know, before we really get a uh, get off the deep end, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just you know, if we have anybody listening that's maybe new to bass fishing or just getting into it, uh, I was hoping we could talk a little bit of basics real quick. And uh, if you know, if somebody's just getting into the sport. Um, What are some some gear that they could uh, or might need? You know, some basic rod and reel setups. And you don't have to give brands or anything, but you know, what type of reel maybe, and what type of rod length and power and all that good stuff. Would you recommend?
2: Right, if you're just if you're just beginning uh, bass fishing and things, uh, you don't need uh, the high dollar equipment and things like that. Uh, The rods, uh, rod length about six and a half foot to seven foot. Uh, and the reels, uh, you can start, if you're not real good, you know, just starting with it and stuff, uh, uh, the uh, spin cast reels, which are basically the closed face, people call them closed face spinning reels and mm-hmm. things, are really really a way to get started and things. Then you can move on up to the spinning reels, which uh, eliminates, you don't have to worry so much about backlashing and stuff. Mm-hmm but once you get to that bait casting reel then you that takes some practice and things and it's not all just educating your thumb to slow it down when you make a cast it's actually learning how to set the brake systems on it Mm -hmm. and things to uh, get your maximum distance out of it without backlashing Mm -hmm. and things as far as uh, baits and things like that uh, spinner baits to start with small spinner baits uh, i would suggest um oh any any little small spinner bait that you can come up with uh there's several of them out there on the market um worms any kind of worm and stuff and things that are that are small and things cuz whole oh, idea is to go out there and catch some fish and stuff mm-hmm. and re- Really learn your equipment and stuff, and then as you you get better and stuff with it, just just keep moving on up and get better equipment. You'll find out you're a lot more sensitive uh, once you get away from some of the inexpensive stuff, and uh, you just really get so you really enjoy it. You know,
1: mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I think I was uh, I was probably in eighth grade when I got my first bait cast reel, and I don't I honestly don't know if I'd ever seen or heard of one. <laughs> and that very first cast <laughs> I threw it out there and let it go and and uh got to experience my first bird's nest on my very first cast. <laughs> and so Oh yes.
2: It's, I think uh, I think I think we've all gone through mm-hmm. that and stuff with it and yep. things. And, yeah, like I said, uh yeah, uh, equipment, like I said, is is not as important as just learning the equipment itself and mm-hmm. things and gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Awesome. Well, now that we got a little bit of a a base to go off, um, again, before we jump into tactics real quick, uh, just, you know, it's rare we get to talk to somebody with so much experience and uh, and so much knowledge. So uh, I'd love for you to give us just a quick, I call it a bass lesson, you know, um, where do bass spend their time? You know, how do they react to water temperature, spawn? You know, if you could just give us a quick rundown. Of bass, uh, you know, I think that'd be really beneficial for our listeners.
2: Sure, sure. Um, yeah, you know, I spend a lot of time on the water, and I didn't mention earlier. I do guide. I, I've been guiding for about the last three or four years. Um, uh, you you really do learn a lot being on that water as many days out of the year and stuff. What these bass are doing. Uh, the first thing that you you learn about these bass and things is that they're actually they're schooling bass they 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 stay in schools now they may only be four or five or six to a school or they might be a hundred but that's one of the first things you need to keep in your mind that these things are schoolers Uh, a lot of people don't understand that because uh they like to fish in the shallow water, so they move to the shallow water and stuff. They go down a bank, they catch one here and there and stuff, and they think, well, that's the way the bass are, but they're not. That's just stragglers that have been up there and have been left behind, the school has moved on out <laughs> and things. But uh, the water temperature dictates quite a bit over to them and things. Of course, the cold—they're cold-blooded animals, so the colder the water, the slower they are to react and slower they are to move. Um, they, in the wintertime, they get almost dormant. They'll just go out there and suspend and just sit there. They do still eat. People don't understand that. They do still eat in the wintertime. And generally, they're going to hang around where there's balls of shad and things like that where they don't have to put out so much effort to catch them a meal and things. But as the water starts warming up and things, they'll start moving out of their deep water holes first place they generally move to is they'll move right up on their own points and things and that's called staging they'll move up on these points to stage and that's when the water temperature is starting to get into the 50s by the time it's about the mid 50s uh, the the little male bass have already moved to the banks then they're scattered out and generally it's always on a north bank where it's catching that southern exposure from the sun and the little males will move out and start building the nest. Generally, this is all taking place generally generally in the latter part of March, which we're moving to right now. Um, then you'll come into the moon phase. Now, well, that first full moon in March, depending on the water temperature, the females, the bigger fish, will then move from these staging areas up on those nests to lay their eggs. Now, that happens like here in Oklahoma, like I say, the first full moon, which is coming in the latter part of this month, uh, that's when they move up. Now, if the water temperature has not warmed up enough for them, which is generally about 60, 65 degrees, uh, it'll be April. It'll be the first full moon in April, and generally the first three days after the full moon, the biggest fish will be up there spawning. Uh, but you have to understand too, that all the fish in the lake don't spawn at the same time. A lot of people, you get waves of them that will come in at that time with that full moon. That's why three days after the full moon, you're still getting waves of them coming in from that deep water to spawn. Uh, once they get finished spawning, the female, she'll move back out to feed up. The little male stays there and guards the nest and things till the fry hatch. And then he will actually leave them and stuff. And then they become bait for a lot of other fish, including their own kind. Uh, But then once all that happens, the fish will start moving. They'll move back out. Generally, they'll move out to around 10, 12 foot. They'll start feeding up again. And then once they get full, they'll just move straight and go right back out to that deep water and school up. Uh, And that's the challenge that we have. As bass fishermen is trying to figure out where those schools are at and things, um, that's why the water temperature is such a such a thing. And as it as it heats up in the summertime, people say, "Well, you know, I still catch fish, and it's 80, 90 degrees uh, water temperature, and those fish are right up in the shallows." Well, when the water's really starting to get hot, we start talking about oxygen in the lake how much oxygen is there in the lake uh, you have a thermocline and that thermocline could be down it could be down 20 foot it could be down 40 foot it just depends on individual lakes and things like that a lot of the schools will go down and get close to that thermocline because that's where the oxygen closest is and that's where it's the coolest but a lot of bass will move to where there's weeds and uh, grass they really like getting that and there's a couple of reasons they do that they get in those weeds and grass and they get in there because it's actually cooler there's food in there and it's also giving off oxygen they're getting that oxygen from what's coming off of the moss or the duck weeds or things like that as it's growing so that's why you find fish deep in the summertime and you'll find them shallow also is because of the oxygen content in the lake. Uh, just going back on a thing when I caught that record fish at Eufaula, we had been in a drought. Uh, people remembers that we were in a drought. Eufaula was four foot low. The oxygen in that lake, and the way I know this is by talking to some guys that were catfishmen and jugfishmen. They're sitting their jugs and stuff. They'd been setting them deep. They hadn't been able to catch anything. But if they put it in less than 10 foot of water, they was catching as many catfish as they could haul out of there. So the oxygen in the lake had just gone up to just the first 10 foot. And that's why the bigger fish that that's why that big fish had been coming out of that deep water and got up on up, up there in the shallows and thanks. But then as, as it cools down in the fall, That water temperature starts cooling down, the shad in the lake will start moving back into the creeks and things like that. They're seeking the warmest water they can find. Uh, The shad are and things in this generally the back end of the creeks, and they will just move back in there in masses amount. Of course, the fish are always going to be someplace close to their dinner, and they will follow them right back up in them creeks and. uh, you can just catch them and catch them and catch them if you get on the right places and things and there's places and several of these lakes that that i fish that in the fall of the year is some of the best fishing that you can you can imagine a lot better in the springtime but uh, I, I think that's about all of it and stuff like i said in winter time they'll head right back they'll move right back as that water temperature starts getting cold again they'll move right back out into that deeper water and they'll suspend. Suspending fish are extremely hard to catch. Not impossible, but extremely hard to catch.
1: Awesome. That, I'm glad we're recording this because I couldn't take notes fast enough, but uh, man, <laughs> that, that was awesome. That's exactly what I was hoping for. So, All right. Well, moving on, uh, so Bill, you are the inventor of the Okey rig, and that's the main reason I wanted to have you on today to talk about it, and, and I won't ruin any of it, I'll let you, let you explain it, but, uh, you know, I just want to hear, obviously, what it is, and then kind of how it came about, and why you invented it, and so I'm just going to turn it over to you again, and, uh, tell us about the Okey rig. Okay,
2: yes, the, the Okey rig came about in, um, uh... Oh, somewhere around 1998, 97, 98 and things, a uh, uh, braided line was getting to be real, real big. Uh, I like to fish a, 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 a technique called a Carolina rig. And basically what a Carolina rig is, just a weight and a bead with a leader off of the back of the swivel, and you uh, tie a, you put on a plastic and you drag it on the bottom of the lake. Uh, with monofilament, making cast with it and dragging it on the bottom of the lake and things, uh, you would cut your line, cut it, uh, get hung up, break it off. Now you have to retie and everything on there. It produced a lot of fish, but you really it was just really a pain to mess with. Uh, and when you set the hook on with monofilament, uh, there's stretch in it, so you can't get a good hook set. Well, I I started using braided line, and braided line was unbelievable when it came to setting the hook. There was no stretch in it. You could make extremely long casts with it uh, because of the diameter of it is so much smaller than monofilament and really strong. Uh, but But with Carolina rigging, you would take, and that weight sliding up and down, that braid would cut it instantly. You cannot drag a Carolina rig on a braid through rocks or anything without cutting it off. Um, Believe me, I tried many, many (laughs) times and things. Um, There was was some things on the market that had uh, stainless steel wire in it. Well, that would work really good at times, but you would actually get a kink in it so that when you go to set the hooks on a fish, you would actually break it off uh it would just it would snap just like line things once you've got a kink in it uh, i've lost several good fish uh, experimenting with that so i thought oh i'm not giving up on this braid because it's just too good so i started experimenting with a uh, titanium wire and the titanium wire and the lead weight and a couple of swivels on one in the other end and a, and a and a plastic bead to protect the, the weight from the sleeve where we make the loop for the uh, uh, swivel, and then uh, I've got a brass bead on top to keep it from getting hung up on the bra- on the swivel on the top. And uh, it started started with twenty pound test and i found out that didn't work too good it was just a little bit too limber and stuff and I, so i went up to 30 and i went to 40 went to 50 and i kept moving up and up to get to, to just get the right uh, tension that it needed and i finally found 75 pound test wire and it worked perfect and uh, that's when i started making them and things and I, I used to give them to a bunch of friends of mine and things And Showing him how to use it and things, and you know, just just a quick story about that. A friend of mine that fish forever. I'd give him some and I was at Eufala, and I was coming in one day and, and stuff, and I stopped, seen him fishing, and come by, and I asked him. I said, "Well, Jim, have you done any good?" And he said, he said I've caught six or seven and things." And I said, "Well, and stuff," and he's a, he's a jig fisherman, and I said, "Well, Jim." Uh, have you used that rig I give you and stuff? No, I hadn't used that uh, yet and stuff. I, I've been throwing this this jig. I said, "Oh." He said, well, have you done any good today? I said, well, Jim, I, I think I have 62.
3: <laughs> and uh, so he says, well, uh,
2: maybe. I said, well, have you, got a, have you got a rod there that you can put one on? Yeah. So he rigged up one. And I said, well, come right over here and went over there and stuff. And I said, Jim, just throw right out there and stuff and, and see if you don't get bit. And he made a cast and drug it back And Sure enough, catches one about a pound and a half. Not a big fish, but he caught one. Well, I said, well, Jim, I'm going in. So I went in. And later on that evening and stuff, I was knock on the door, and it was Jim. And uh, I said, well, Jim, what's going on? He says, have you got any more of them uh, rigs? I said, oh yeah i said have you already lost them because they're really hard to lose and he says no i just want to make sure i have plenty he said i went back and fished all the places i fished with that jig and he said i caught 18 (laughs) (laughs) so so it made a believer out of him Mm -hmm. but it is uh and uh, uh, the reason it's called an oaky rig uh A lot of people uh, say, and and what it is, is it's a pre-rig Carolina rig Mm -hmm. is what it is. Instead of having to dig to your tackle, get a bead, get a swivel, get all this stuff and put it together and tie it off, get it tight, cut your line, get a hook on there, get plastic and stuff. All you have to do is tie this on and then just tie your leader and things. And we'll talk in a minute about the leader Mm -hmm. and the hook and things but that's, that's what it accomplished. It is pre-rigged and it's ready for you to go and just put it on and attach what you need. Uh, the reason it's called an Oki rig. Uh, a lot of people say, well, it's because it's made in Oklahoma. It is, we make it here. We make it in McLeod, Oklahoma's where they're made at stuff. My son-in-law, daughter, who are part owners of the business and wife and grandkids they all get together, and we put these things together. Uh, we got pneumatic crimpers that crimp it and things like that. But in 2007, uh, I made a show with Jimmy Houston. I made it on Lake Connerwall. And Jimmy had some uh, new lipless crankbaits coming out, and that's what he needed to make uh, the, the show with. And I had been catching fish at, at Connerwall on some lipless crankbaits, other than the rigs, so... He come out and I met him and we went out and, and fished and if uh, and I want to tell you this about Jimmy Houston, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. That man is there's nothing phony about Jimmy Houston at all. Mm-hmm. And things he is just just kisses him fish and laugh and giggle. It's <laughs> it's it, that is not a show. That's not a put on. That's just the way he is. Mm-hmm. Thanks. But anyway, we went out and we were fishing and we fished three hours throwing lipless crankbaits and never got a bite, never got a fish. Well, the next point we come around to, I asked Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, do you like the Carolina rig? He says, no, I don't. I said, okay. Well, I had my stuff with me and I picked it up, threw it out across this point, made a pull back with it, catch one about two pounds and the cameraman is shooting all this and things so i'll make another cast and i'll go out and i catch another one about two pounds well when i got that third one in the boat jimmy's digging around the bottom of his boat we were in his tracker he built out the bottom of his boat and he pulls out a spinner rod and he says here rig me up one <laughs> and we did and we caught probably about 50 fish in that to make that uh, show and things and at the end of every uh, one of jimmy's shows he's always uh, giving Jimmy's tips and he had one of the rigs in his hands and he was sliding it back and forth because the weight does slide on the wire
3: mm-hmm.
2: and things. So he's sliding it back and forth. And he says, he says, uh, uh you know, I don't like to, uh, Carolina rig. So I'm going to call this Okey rigging. <laughs> so when we decided to, to sell these things and make business out of it and stuff, uh, the family was saying, "Well, what are we going to call it?" And I said, well, "Why don't we call it Okey Rigging? Because an Okey Rig because that's what Jimmy called it." And I said, "How can you get a better endorsement than that? Mm-hmm, you know." Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's how it came to be called an oki Rig. Um, some of the things with this Okey Rig, and uh, we make it in uh, we make it in lead, we make it in powder coated lead, we make it in brass, and we make it in tungsten now then I fish the lead probably 90% of the time but there is a place where the brass and the tungsten does come into play uh, fishing it Uh, we make it in a half ounce all the way up through an ounce half ounce three quarters and one ounce generally I'm always fishing a one ounce Uh, and the lead there's no noise with the lead at all Uh, Dragging it. Uh, But with the metals, uh, with the uh, brass and with the tungsten, there's a clicker that we add to it. And it's just basically a brass disc with a sort of concave, a little thick and stuff. But with the weight hitting against it, it makes a clicking noise. So in dirtier water, you can pull that rig on the bottom, dragging it. And at the end of a drag, you shake your rod and you get a ticking noise and it always helps those fish locate that bait better. Uh, the tungsten, you same thing, you get the click. The only difference is it's a lot denser in weight. So it casts a lot better in the wind and it's a lot more sensitive too to tell exactly what you're feeling on the bottom. Um, some of the mistakes people make when they're actually Carolina rigging and things is they don't use a heavy enough weight and they don't use a long enough leader um okie rigging um, is what most of people everybody I know that, that does is what they call it now it's, instead of Carolina rigging they call it okie rigging um it's, it's, we use spin and tackle um you can throw it on bait casting. you can you can throw it on a bait caster you can throw it on a on a spin cast reel i've got i I keep two really nice spin cast reels in my boat for customers that have trouble with spinning uh reels or with bait casting uh but but my choice is 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 the spinning reel i throw it on a, a seven and a half foot uh spinning rod medium heavy And uh, I use about a 3,000 series spinning reel. I use 10-pound test braid. Uh, And like I said, I'm generally always throwing a one ounce on it. If it's one ounce lead or if it's one ounce tungsten or if it's one ounce brass. Uh, Where where it comes different is when I use the leader. My leaders, when I cut them, I cut those things at 5 foot, 60 inches long. The time I tie to a hook and tie, time to the, tie to the rig, it's down to probably four foot. Uh, they're very hard to cast after four foot, I can tell you that. Uh, mm-hmm. On bait casting, it's extremely hard. You can't hardly cast at any distance on bait casting. But on spin and tackle on that 10-pound test line, you can throw that approximately 75 yards once you get used to it. Mm-hmm and things so you can sit in one spot and cover a lot of area with that with that rig Mm
3: -hmm.
1: yeah that's one of the questions i was going to ask you because uh a lot of the guys you see running carolina rigs they'll tell you to never go past you know or never more than like a 24 inch leader and so when i met you and you were talking about a four foot uh that's that's one of the big questions that came to my mind was kind of how do you manage it but it makes a lot more sense with the spinning rod um right
2: uh, right mm-hmm. uh, yeah the reason they don't want them over 24 uh inches and stuff because on a bait caster they're extremely hard to get any distance mm-hmm. with it mm-hmm. and things what the shorter the shorter the leader the more distance you can get mm-hmm. i can tell you that see the longer the distance uh you get the drag and you don't you, you don't do it uh, baits on this rig uh like I said, I take a lot of people out, and most people that hire me <clears throat> want to learn to do this. And uh, some of them are amazed at what I use. I, I actually use small baits. I'm using four-inch baits. I use four-inch sinko uh, type baits. I use four-inch brush hog-type baits. Uh, and in different colors, I, I will use some six-inch lizards, and at times I'll use six-inch brush hogs. But generally, it's the, the smaller baits. Because hmm. um, generally, when you go out fishing, um, most people want to catch fish. And there, if you catch a big fish, that, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. But most people want to catch fish. And I always, I do some seminars at the at the college here at Rose State, and a lot of times I ask people uh, about fishing, uh, bass fishing. I said, Have any of you ever gone down a bank? come up on a lay-down, a stick-up, a bush, or anything, and have caught 60-plus fish off of that one bush, lay-down, or stick-up. Nobody has. Mm -hmm. But you can take these rigs and go out off of points, offshore fishing, and you can find these schools of bass set up on these points and things, and you can sit there and just literally catch 60-plus fish but it takes time and effort. And most people look there and they see that bank, that shell of water. And I'm going, I'm heading back up there. I'm going to go back there. They go out there and they hit a point or two and they don't get bit. They're right back up there at bank because it's a casting fishing. This rig, uh, basically this Oakey rig and this Carolina rig, what we're talking about. It's a very boring way to fish, <laughs> but it, it, it produces a lot of fish and, um, like I said, and a lot of big fish. Uh, I am now, I've got, I've caught six bass over 10 pounds, uh, here in the state of Oklahoma right now. I, I just caught my 10th or my sixth bass over 10 pounds, uh, January 12th at carnival
3: hmm.
2: and things. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's, uh, uh, people say, well, those little baits, uh, Uh, you can't catch big fish using those little baits. Uh, yeah. You got to keep in mind that, that an elephant will eat a peanut Mm and that's, 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 that's what you got to get across to them.
3: Hmm. Gotcha.
2: But, uh, but that's the Oaky rig and and how it works. Uh, like I said, it's just a pre-rig Carolina rig, but it's the ultimate. Um, a lot of people get hung up with their Carolina rigs because they're using bullet weights on it and things like that. Uh, um, uh, I generally use egg. I'm using the egg sinker type that's more round, so it'll roll up off of stuff. Uh, but if you get hung up with these oaky rigs with this titanium wire, you just go back the opposite direction, get your line at about a 45 degree angle to where you're hung, and you just put pressure on it. And because of that wire, this thing will pop itself loose. So you don't lose a lot of these if you're in a boat fishing. Now, it's a different story on the bank where you can't go back the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. But if you're on the bank fishing with them, you want to use the lightest weight, like the half ounce and things, and you won't get hung up as much Hmm. with
1: it. Gotcha. Yeah, I think uh, I bought the combo pack of the the three-quarter ounce and the one ounce, and I'm dying to try it. I I was planning to go out this weekend, but it looks like it's going to storm all weekend. Got a got a new boat and a new rig, then I can't use either of them. So, <laughs> it's killing me. I know.
2: It's killing I've got, me. I've got guide trips starting Tuesday mm. at at Texoma.
1: Mm. Well, I, I hope it clears up stars. by then. I think it's supposed to. But. Um. <laughs> well, I got one more question before we get off of the Okie rig. Is there ever sure. a time or a situation where you don't use it? You know, like pre-spawn or spawn where fish are moving up shallow do you do you put it away then or
2: i don't i i can you can still use it shella. you can throw up into that shella uh water with it and things and pull it back uh uh, i i I give people i'd say if you could cut the hole in the ice you you know you can (laughs) use this to catch fish Mm -hmm. uh 12 months out of the year
1: people could have done that a couple weeks ago (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you can you can take and use uh, uh,
2: a shallow water if it's shallow in the spring. You can you can use a half ounce up there instead of that one ounce in that shallower water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most popular weight for Carolina rigging or even this Oki rigging, which I sell a bunch of, is three quarter ounce. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, that's. That's one of the mistakes people make. They're not using that heavy enough weight. You want to stay in contact with that bottom at all times. Hmm. Uh, You're going to be able to tell with these rigs. uh, And I tell people this uh, about it. When you're dragging it, you can tell if it's soft bottom or hard bottom. If you're using braided line and using like basically that one ounce weight, you can tell that bass like hard bottoms. They might be suspended up, but they like that hard bottom. They like to be around it and things. And only three things are going to happen when you're pulling this oaky rig. When you pull that thing, make that cast with whatever bait you're using, and a fish hits it, you're going to feel a tap, just like worm fishing around that. You're going to feel that tap-tap and a little bit of tug and things. That tells you there's only one fish there. That's a single fish. You go out there with that rig, you pull that, and you're pulling it, and there's something grabs it and almost jerks the rod out of your hand. That tells you there's more than one fish there. He's that fish has grabbed that bait and trying to get it away from the rest of it. Mm. That's why you got to get right back to that same spot really quick because mm. they're ganged up right there. Mm. Or you'll be throwing that, pulling that rig, and you'll lose contact with the bottom, and you'll think, oh, did I break that off? What's going on? No, what has happened that fish has picked up that long leader and he's picked it up he's got that weight off the bottom he's swimming towards you now you've got to hurry up get the slack out and then set the hook hmm. and, the, and the hook set it's not like a worm where you snap your wrist and, and try to drive that hook in it it's a pull hmm. you just feel that get the tension out of it and you just you just slack out of that line and you just make a hard pull with your rod hmm. you're pulling that hook because on those little baits I was talking about, I use a one-aught O'Shaughnessy hook. That's what I use. And uh, uh, it, it works really good. I've caught a lot of 10-pound fish with it. Uh, it just, when the fish picks that little bait up, uh, they'll suck it in, and it'll go right into their gullet and things, and that hook is down. Very seldom you ever catch them on the sides of the mouth or anything like that, mm-hmm. where they can straighten that hook out. I you know, let's say, I tell people when you get it out of those bigger fish and you get that hook out them, it may look like a harpoon, but it'll hold them.
3: You
1: know? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now on your hook set, do you recommend going out to the side? Like a carrot? you know, a lot of people say when you fish a Carolina rig, you need to set the hook to the side instead of up over your head. Is there exactly? Okay.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You definitely want to do, you want to <clears throat> even fishing it. You never want to pick that rod up and do, over your head trying to pick it up and drag it like you like you're doing a texas rig worm or something like that Mm -hmm. because that makes that weight come up off the bottom you've lost that bottom contact so you're not kicking that debris up constantly to attract that fish Mm -hmm. that weight dragging on the bottom kicking that debris up is actually what attracts the fish it leaves a debris trail under the water and the fish see that and they come looking for it and they grab that bait on the behind there that's why you always want to start your rod you want to keep it parallel with the water and when it's just a sweep with it there you don't want to set it but because if you jerk too hard there's a couple things can happen you're going to jerk it out of that fish or you're going to take and you're going to break that leader off on it or you actually can even break that braid jerking up on too hard I've i've had customers do that and and after they slow down a little bit, then the, then they start catching fish. So,
1: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <clears throat> well, is there any other any other things you want to mention about the Oki rig before we move on to a, a different topic?
2: No, it's just uh, it's just a good and easy way to catch a lot of fish. Just I, I'll give you just a few examples real quick here mm-hmm. on this. Uh, last year, um, um, I should start the year before last at fall in the fall. I had uh, two guys hired me to fish, and uh, uh they fished uh they fished till they started that morning around seven o'clock and at five o'clock, I think they had uh, they had fifty nine bass um, and they wanted to catch that sixtieth well, it <laughs> took us to almost six thirty to catch their sixtieth bass
3: mm. and something of that. Uh, I have a couple of geologists that hire me
2: at least three times a year. They're retired and things. And this last fall, November, about November 3rd, I think, um, they showed up at Eufaula about 10 o'clock in the morning, and they quit at 5 o'clock that evening. They had 77 bass
3: mm.
2: and things up till four pounds.
3: Both of them had mm. four pounders on at one time. But mm-hmm. um, like I said – It's a
2: very easy way to catch a lot of fish. If you just want numbers, it's a great way to do it. But Hmm. if you can go through those numbers, you're going to get quantity eventually.
1: Gotcha. Uh, A random question just came to my mind. Um, Talking about these schools of bass... Um, do they tend to school with similar sized fish or is it kind of all over the board? Like, you know, I think a striper's on Texoma, you know, a lot of people say that you're going to catch the same size fish over and over when you get into a group of them. Are bass that sure. way or are they kind of all over the board?
2: Uh it it I've I've seen it uh, both ways and things. Uh I can Uh, I can give you some examples of that. Now, uh, Endeavor Lake is different. You have to just sort of – this is just sort of rules of thumb. Uh, Like at Texhoma, the bigger bass run with the stripers. Hmm. That's where they're at. If you're catching big stripers, you're probably going to catch a big bass eventually Hmm. in in things. But uh, uh, some of the examples and stuff of this is, like I said, uh, this uh, geologist, they're catching uh, seventy-seven bass with me and stuff. So, uh, in about a seven-hour period, so you can figure about ten bass an hour. But uh, they're catching a lot of small Kentuckies and stuff. And then, pretty soon they'll catch a Kentucky that weighs three pounds, you know, mm-hmm. uh, out of one school uh, and things. Uh, I've been on Connell, and uh, I can uh, tell people this, and uh, it's been several years now, but. Uh, I caught 57 fish sitting in one place and I didn't have but three of them under four pounds
3: mm. uh, I, I weighed some of them, I had a 9-1, a 9-2 and a 9-4 and an 8-8 eight eight, and a 7 I don't even know what the 7 was but that <laughs> was about the five fish I weighed and mm-hmm. things, but huge fish, but they were all in one school mm. uh, but,
2: but like I said, it, it, it varies uh, but you get into them and you start catching them almost every cast uh you're going to get a good fish eventually out of that or several good fish and things Uh, they're sort of like uh it's a competition thing once you get them feeding once you get them started get them fired up uh, then they're just it's it's just trying to get the next bait coming down
3: Mm. Uh,
2: people talk about fish having memories they won't bite this if they get hooked they just don't do that Uh, no they're animals Uh, they don't think they do not reason they do nothing they eat they rest and they make little bass Mm -hmm. that's all they do
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, and i've got all this i got stuff on video that i've shot i'm
2: fishing i'm catching i've caught sitting on a road bed catching each fish off of it i hang one fish pretty good fish i break him off because i hadn't been retying my leader so now i gotta sit down i'll get a new leader out which i'd already got set up i get on there, i get tied on i get back up there go right back out there pull in there fill fish set the hook get him up the boat here's my other leader in that fish's mouth mm. and I, the other thing i just reach down next cast catching mm. so you know that's uh that's sort of a, uh, I don't know, I've, I've seen a lot of weird stuff like <laughs> that as much as yeah. I fish. Yeah. But I've done that several times. I've caught, I've been in one place and catch fish on uh, these these baits and stuff and, uh, you know, uh, miss a fish and stuff. And come back a couple of days later, fish in that same place and catch a fish, pull it up, and there's that bait sticking in that fish's mouth. Hmm. I pull it out and get the hook or whatever. Sometimes he's just got the bait and they and things you know so very cool very cool
1: well we got a little bit of time left so i got a fun uh fun bonus question for you and uh you don't have to give away any location on that you don't have to give away any of your secret spots (laughs) but but if i said bill i'm going to give you a million dollars if you can go out tomorrow and catch the state record bass uh, how are you fishing, what are you looking for, you know, what, uh, as far as, like, structure and all that good stuff? You know, if I if I said I'll give you a million dollars to catch a state record, how are you going to fish it?
2: Well, I'm, I'm looking for the deep, clear lakes. Deep, clear lakes grow the bigger bass. Uh, the lakes that if you want to catch a big, huge bass on is going to be, right now, the number one would be Arbuckle's. Lake of the Arbuckles would be number one. Uh, number two would probably be Broken Bow down mm-hmm. there. Uh, number three, it's a little dirtier, but would be McGee Creek. Mm-hmm. And number four would be Conowal, mm-hmm. big fish in Conowal and things. Uh, different lakes, though, like Arbuckles and stuff, uh, those fish get, get beat up pretty bad. So, again, I'd be using finesse baits down mm-hmm. there, or I'd be out there with a big structure spoon
3: looking for them mm-hmm. off of the ends of deep points, 40 and 50 foot deep yeah.
2: out there with a structure spoon. If I was going to look for a state record, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm talking about one of those six to eight inch structure spoons and things,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and like I said, that would that's, that's the way I would go about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're blowing my blowing my mind. You know, I've basically just been a, a stock pond fisher, you know, for most of my life. And, and I'm trying to, you know, selfishly, I can have guys like you on the podcast so I can learn more about it. But uh, 40 feet sure. deep would not have been my guess
2: yeah i've caught uh, and you follow i've caught i've caught bass with these rigs down to 42 foot hmm. but you have to you know, there's this thing when you start this deep water fishing and, and there's a certain time of year june july and august and things when the thermoclines in and things on these lakes mainly uh, you got to learn to fizz these fish and a lot of people don't understand what that is uh, especially if you're new to bass fishing uh A lot of times you pull these fish out of deep water, and they basically get the bends. Mm. Uh, Their bladders swell, and when you turn one loose, he'll just lay on top of the water there and flap, and he'll die Mm. and stuff. So you got to learn to fizz them. Uh, There's two ways to do it. You need a hypodermic needle or they actually make things that they call fizzers. I actually own one. Bass, BASS, made them many years ago. They're made of aluminum, and it's a big needle that comes out of the end of a, um, basically this is aluminum uh, tube and things, and it's got a settings. It says side or mouth, and you can set it for the depth that you need to uh, do this. I personally like to fizz them through the mouth. It's hard to hold that fish down flat, and you count back about two or three scales from his, from his side fin and things, and you puncture that in there to get to that, uh, that uh, bladder, his air, his air bladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mouth, you take this and you set this for the right depth, but you put it in there at a 45-degree angle right between his crushers. And when you do, you push that in there, you'll just like letting the air out of the tire you will hear it it Mm. will actually sound like air coming out of the tire and then once you do that and turn that fish loose he'll go right back down
3: Mm. and if not if you don't you'll kill him so Mm. if you really start doing that you really need to learn to do that and uh
2: uh, you need to have it in the boat uh, Uh, so that you'll you can learn how to do that
1: great tip great tip Well, Bill, this has been awesome, uh, man. I hope everybody who listens to this listens to it a second or a third time to pick up everything you've said, or or have a pen and paper ready when they go through it the first time. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this I this, this so has been fantastic. I hope,
2: you know, like I said, I've 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 learned, uh, like I said, uh, just just so much fishing and things, and and I mean, I I don't hunt, mm-hmm. I don't play golf, and things. Only thing I've ever done is fish. And things the only thing i found out i love more than fishing is uh playing with my grandkids mm-hmm. and things and uh, taking other people fishing i i didn't think i would like that but a friend of mine here about three years ago talked me into guiding uh, I was really shy about it at first. I thought nobody wanna go out to do that. And, oh yeah, they will and <laughs> stuff. And, uh, he's a striper guide Had 34 years experience on Tex Homa full time. And, and he says, you get your guide license, I'll keep you busy. And he has, cause a lot of his customers want to come down and striper fish and then they want to bass fish. And so, uh, uh, like I said, I, I really enjoy it. And I take people out, uh, bass fishing uh i i take them out i show them where the places are i set them up i don't fish uh, i'll show them how to do it how to work things and then i let them fish because uh they're, they're paying me to take them fishing they're not paying me to go fishing mm-hmm. uh, if that makes any sense and things so uh, and uh
1: well, speaking of that, I want to make sure you get to, to shout out your guide business and your Oki Rig business. So uh, tell everybody sure. where they can get a hold of you and where they can find your products.
2: All right. Uh, to, to order an Oki Rig, uh, like I said, we like to deal with people one on one and things. So if you want to order Oki Rigs and things, uh, you can call us at area code 405 401 9054 you call uh just leave a message and we'll get back to you and we'll get you an order free shipping we'll ship it to you free and things and uh, uh, like i said uh, you really will catch a bunch of fish using it uh as my guide service is called Okie rig bass guide service and you can call at the same number uh to book a trip at certain time on certain lakes, I, I guide on Texoma, I guide on Eufaula, I guide on Murray, and I guide on Tin Killer in the fall, only in the fall on Tin Killer, generally the first couple of weeks in October, and at Conwall, I'm at Conwall generally anytime up through June, I'll be on Conwall. I, I should have already done, done two or three trips. But the weather is already mm-hmm. to knock that out this year over mm-hmm. there. But uh, uh, yeah. Any, anybody out there who just wants to go fishing, give me a call. My rates are real reasonable, according to everybody. Matter of fact, they tell me I'm cheap. I don't know. Uh, people say, How long is a day? Is it like five hours, six hours, what on oh my guide? No, it's, it's till you get tired, not to when I get tired. I'm there. I'm, when I'm out there, I'm there from daylight to dark. <laughs> so it's, it's up to you. Uh, I get uh, $200 for one person. And I get two seventy five for two people, uh, and uh, like I said, all you have to do is bring the proper clothing and whatever you want to eat and drink, and I provide everything else.
1: Awesome, Thanks. awesome. Well, Bill, this has been amazing. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me today.
2: Sure, John. Mm-hmm. Sure, John. That's that's, uh, that's uh, like I said, just just trying to get people, more people out catching fish. You know, mm-hmm. that's it's fun
3: (laughs) (laughs) it
1: is it is i hope to do a bunch of it this summer so all righty well i appreciate the time and it was a fantastic conversation
2: all right john thank you so much for having me thank you thank you bye-bye if that
1: doesn't make you want to go fishing i don't know what will (laughs) man i really enjoyed that i can't thank bill enough for coming on the show that was so awesome and so informative um you know i i've talked to him a, a few times before uh, we met at the backwoods show a few weeks ago and i was just immediately attracted to his personality and his outgoingness and you can just tell he really loves what he does he's very passionate about his product and just fishing in general and so i really encourage you guys to look him up uh he has a facebook page he gave his phone number for his guide service And, uh, I bought, uh, like I said, I bought two of his Oki rigs. I bought the three quarter ounce and the one ounce, and I can't wait to try them. Uh, I hope to get out this weekend. I don't know if it's going to happen just because of the weather. Um, but if it doesn't happen this weekend, I will certainly be out there next weekend giving it a try. So I think that's just about going to do it. We're coming up on that hour mark. And so I won't, uh, keep you guys any longer, but again, please look Bill up and keep listening to the show. I guess the only other thing I have is I always like to throw up my social media, Instagram and Facebook. Um, Again, I'm a whole lot better on Instagram. I'm trying to get better on Facebook, but uh, it's just a lot more handy on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, Send me some messages or some comments. Let me know what you want to hear about. And that is going to do it. So you guys have a great week and try to get outside this weekend. See you guys later.